1: Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching.
2: And open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 and the 26th verse. And Luke begins in the sixth month. This was the sixth month of... uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy, the mother of John the Baptist, and you'll see here that there's a divine connection between what happens with John the Baptist and Jesus. Of course, John the Baptist is the one that baptizes Jesus, and the, the Spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove. But here we see that uh, John also has a miraculous birth. It's, it's not of the same order uh, as Jesus, but nonetheless, it was to a woman who had been barren, and we'll read that a little later on. But in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Who sent the angel? God. Who took the initiative to redeem humanity? God. It was not our idea. It was not something that we talked God into. God on his own, even before we sinned, he had a plan. And on this day, he dispatched his chief angel. Not a mean angel, not an average angel. I mean, he went to one of his, his top boys and said, hey, man, I need to be represented on planet Earth. So I want you to go to to the city of Galilee in a little town named Nazareth. Now, if you have children, you'll find that the less true a story is, the vaguer they tend to be with the sharing of the facts. Does anyone know that about children? Or if you've been in, in, in a court, you know, typically, if you're not telling the truth, You don't want to share too many facts because, you know, if if one false fact is found out, it it, it reflects wrongly or badly on the remainder of the story. But I want you to notice here, the Bible is very, very, very intentional and specific about names, places, uh, relationships, circumstances, and even bloodlines. It goes into great detail. And if you're familiar with myths, you'll find that typically myths are very, very general. There's not a lot of details, a lot of, not a lot of facts, but you find that, that the, this book here in Luke, the, the, the Gospels of Jesus Christ, are of a whole different order. I mean, there are locations, there are places and things that the early readers could go back and check because the New Testament was written uh, not too far from uh, the events themselves, so they could all be res- researched. And if any of the facts were found wrong, the whole message would have been undermined. So Scripture goes on and says, Gabriel appeared to a virgin. So now the details are getting even more specific. Not just a female, but a female that was not sexually active, that had not had sexual relations with a man. And then it continues on. It says she was betrothed. Now, in that time, and even today, it's somewhat similar, although uh, engagement in the ancient world was far more serious than engagement in our world. In the ancient world, if you were engaged and you wanted to get out of the engagement, you literally had to have a divorce. Back then, marriage was a two-step process. And betrothal meant that Joseph or her fiancé had paid the bride price. He had paid her, her dowry. Money had exchanged hands and announcements had been made and, and the families had drank in together and they had celebrations. It was very, very public. It was formal at this particular point. And all that was left was the final ceremony and the consummation, the sexual consummation of the relationship. So it says that not only was she a virgin, she was engaged to be married, were actually really legally married, if you will, the first step of marriage, betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, Mary was probably about uh, 13 to 16 years of age, and that may trouble some of you listening to this narrative, and you're probably asking, why would uh, God use a girl that was uh, so young well, at this particular time in history, the life expectancy of people was no more than 30 years. And if you wanted to have a baby, you need to get it done. Now, if you're only going to make it 30 years, and by the way, uh, girls wanted to not just have one or two kids like us. They wanted kids to work the farm. And uh, they had lots of land. So they were trying to have six, seven, 10, you know, 12. You know, as many kids. I heard a woman just say, Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what we're talking about this morning. But... The fact is that, you know, if you wanted to build a family and a substantial family, you had to get started with this thing. And and you might say, well, that sounds ridiculous. That's unheard of. Well, you know, in the United States of America, just in the, the 1850s, the average person didn't live more than to more than 40 years of age. And people would typically in their 40s, it, it was, you know, that was it. Some of y'all would be dead right now. Boom, gone. Just 150 years ago. So, we see, you know, over time and, you know, the advances in medicine, things have, have, have changed some. But, you know, sometimes what we do is we take our culture and read our culture back onto the text. We have to be very careful about that. So she's a young girl, and if she, you know, has a span of life like, uh, you know, most people her age, she she only had maybe 15, 16 years left, and if by strength she lived longer, you know, uh, that would be great. But uh, young girls got started early. And the virgin's name was Mary. And by the way, Joseph, now tradition says that he was probably an older man, but the culture of the time was that typically a young boy would get married in his late teens, maybe early 20s. So this very well could be the case of Joseph as well. But since Joseph died, uh, there's no record of him when we get around to the crucifixion of Christ. And And remember, Jesus from the cross said, John, behold thy mother, meaning that uh, Mary went to John's house. If Joseph was around, that would not have been required. So the odds are Joseph passed away. So I don't know if he was older or something happened to him. I really do not know. But I do want you to realize that God is very intentional with the facts here because he's telling a literal historical story. And the virgin's name was Mary. All the facts are clear. All the players are in place and their circumstances. And the angel came to this little teenage girl and said, greetings, or hail Mary in Virginia. She would say, hey. (laughs) I thought that was funny. I don't know why. I just thought that was humorous. Greetings, O favored one. Now, we got to go back and we got to stand in Mary's shoes if we're going to understand what's happening in this passage. Mary is a female. Mary is unmarried. She's probably poor. This young lady has no social standing, no social status. When people passed her on the street, unless they were her friends or family, no one said hello. She was ignored. And actually, women and girls in particular were seen as someone else's property. You're either the property of your father or the property of your husband, but you are not your own individual. So, She's, she's, I don't know where she is. I don't know. She's walking down the streets of Nazareth, you know, Main Street or what have you. But the angel comes to her and says, oh, favored one, little girl, you have been singled out to experience God's special favor. And then the Gabriel adds, he says, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, king of the universe, is with you. This was absolutely shocking to a young Jewish girl's ears. No one spoke that no one, No one even talked to her. And for a stranger to come up and, and give her such an honorific greeting, she really wasn't sure what to do with it. And the Bible goes on and, and says more about this. It says she was greatly, not just a little bit troubled, not just a little bit perplexed, she was greatly troubled at the saying. You see, every day... Of Mary's life, she was reminded that uh, you know, she's a little bit less than. The Pharisees would pray, you know, Thank God I'm not like that sinner, but they'd they'd often end their prayers, Thank God I'm not a woman. And they looked down on women, and again, women were were, were property, and this this man and there's a shining man at that comes and gives her a salutation as if she's some type of queen, and and she's asking herself, you know, what what type of statement is this to a little poor teenage girl. She was greatly troubled at the saying, and she tried to what? Discern. Meaning, you know, discernment typically in Scripture, we discern between good and evil. So she was sitting there, and she was saying, is this God or the devil? Is this just is too good to be true? Is this guy trying to pick me up? He, he, I, what What is, is happening here? Because people don't speak to women. People don't speak to me the way I'm being spoken to. And when you've been taught all your life that God is mad at you, that you have failed in some way, and God's going to get you, God's going to punish the nation, and, and your sacrifice was not accepted, your sacrifice was not, not yet uh, uh, right, and you got to do things to, to play kind of and angry God, it's hard when you hear a message otherwise. Matter of fact, let me, let me say something here that I think is, is very important. God does get angry. And that's a truth. Matter of fact, we're creating his image and likeness. How many of y'all know that? We get anger from God. Problem is, you know, our anger is not righteous. Our anger is not, often not holy, and we take it, you know, uh, to to the extreme. And you know, someone, you know, just step on my shoe, I, I hit him in the jaw. You know, that type of thing. It, it, matter of fact, when Scripture said "eye for an eye," we look back on that and say, "Wow, you know, that was that was extreme." No, no, no. It used to be. You steal my cattle, I'm burning down your farm. So when Moses came, he said, no, 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 no. If someone steals your cattle, you do not burn down the farm. You go to the elders of the city, and they take their cattle. And that kind of lifted up humanity and, and uh, you know, the gangsterism, if you will, of uh, <laughs> the Middle East kind of started d- diminishing. So, you know, Jesus took it a step further. For, for spirit for people, but, but that, that's beside the point. God does get angry, but let me say something to you. If your pastor tells you, and if, if somehow you read the Bible where you see an angry God that's angry all the time, you're not reading the Scripture, right? In fact, if God is always angry, God is his own problem. Why? Because he created everything that would upset him. So if he's mad, he ought to be mad at himself. You're saying, I don't know about that. Let's take a look at the Scripture. Psalm 2 and 4. Don't let the Scripture get in the way of your theology, of course. Psalms 2 and 4. He who sits in heaven is wringing his hands and constantly losing his cool. Listen to the Scripture, which cannot be broken. He who sits in heaven laughs. Sad people do not laugh. Angry people typically do not what? Laugh. Then he says, the Lord holds them, speaking of those who oppose him, in derision. God loves people who do wrong, but he does not admire them like some of us do. He's not looking up to them. And No, 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 no. Many many of us, actually, we don't like sinners because we wish we could be doing what they're doing. This is not the mindset of Father God. Psalms 13, I'm sorry, 37 verse 13, lest you think that I just made this up, let's look at the book. And we could spend a lot of time covering this in the Bible, but we'll just stop with this scripture. It says, but the Lord laughs at the wicked. Why? He sees his day is coming. God knows the end from the beginning. So God is not, you know, popping Tums, you know, to keep his stomach down and, and taking sedatives, you know, they they shoot him. None of that is needed. Do you understand? Why? Because, listen, God does hurt when we hurt. But overall, God is full of joy. Scripture says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. Why can God be happy in spite of the mess going on down here? Because God knows the exact day and hour that everything's going to be made right. He knows the exact moment. So somebody acting all crazy, beating up on people, killing people and all the rest, like, uh-huh. Wait till October 16th, and you're going to finally step out of their body. And you're going to finally pay the penalty and the price. Justice will be served. So while people are cutting up doing what they're doing, God's not panicking. He's like, I know the day and the hour that this is going to be made right. So when you're going through and somebody's doing something une- evil to you, something, somebody's doing something unfair, you need to know God knows the day. And now don't try to take it into your hands. You will mess it up. You'll either overdo it or under. Let God be God. And in his time and in his way, justice will be served. Maybe this will help you. A mother who goes into the delivery room with the daughter, man, she feels what baby girl's going through. She went through the same thing. Jesus went through everything we go through, by the way. Felt every pain we feel. She sympathizes. And while she's there, she she hurts for her daughter. But she's also very proud of her daughter. She, she She's thinking, what a magnificent creature that came out of me to, to cause another creature to come out of her. She also knows what's on the other side of that pain, the fullness of life and and the joy that's going to come through that little crying baby that, that, that comes out. So even though the mother feels a sense of pride, but also because the mother knows what's on the other side, there's a sense of joy. And with God, he knows what's on the other side. And, and we, he, he's like, yeah, you know, I, he pats our head when, when we're hurting, and he, and he feels, oh, you know, pushing, and, and he feels it. But he said, you know what? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. God is just. And he's not upset. As crazy as America is, God is still quite calm on the throne. Amen. Amen. As crazy as some of our lives are, God knows the end from the beginning and he's comfortable with it. God did the right thing when he made us. He did the right thing when he redeemed us. He'll also do the right thing when he judges us. He alone is God, and he's absolutely composed about his godness. Luke chapter one, verse 29. But she was greatly, not a little bit, she was greatly troubled. And sometimes you hear the messages across this this pulpit and it it ought to trouble you because the gospel again is just too good to be true. And as God comes with this good news, talking about God wants to to bless you, that that He's with you, that that you're favorite. And she was troubled because it didn't fit in with the things she had heard. And she tried to discern what what type of saying is this, what type of message is this, what what is this that I'm hearing from this shiny Gable, this shiny man. You're trying to tell me God's not mad at me? You're trying to tell me that God wants to bless me, a girl? And then the angel goes and comforts her. It didn't stop there. Mary needed to be comforted. This was a little bit upsetting. So the angel Gabriel said to her, do not be afraid. You see, it can be frightening when you heard God was one way all your life. And then you discover suddenly. It's not the way you, you thought. And, and you have an experience with God that challenges all your preconceived notions, all your, your prejudices and, and thoughts, and, and everything, again, you, you, you've learned about this, this God. And he reiterates and he repeats it. He said, Mary, you need to hear me. God's not mad at you, Mary. You have found favor with God. The word favor here in the Greek is charis. And it's usually translated grace. He's literally saying, Mary, you found grace or grace to you, Mary. Now, some of our, I love our Catholic friends and and they do great things, but some of our Catholic friends got it wrong on this point. Mary here and in Scripture is not the giver of grace, but the recipient of grace. Mary had to what? Find favor. You will never earn the favor of God, so stop trying. The best we can do is find it or discover it. Amen. So what I'm trying to do is, Lord, give me the lens. Help me to see. Help me to uncover your grace and your mercy. I will, again, never earn it. All we can do is discover it. When the Bible says we were lost, it means just that. Our perceptions of him were so far away that we had no map on the inside to get back. Our idea of him was so off, we were absolutely lost, we, 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 I mean, we're looking for an angry God, the wrong God, and God is going to punish us. Instead, he gave us a God that died for us. Are you hearing me? A God that paid a penalty. Now, listen, God don't love sin. He'll deal with sin and, and all that, but that's not today's message. It said, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive. I need you to step into Mary's teenage shoes here. Conception was the highest aspiration of a little Jewish girl. I mean, when you were little, you played a little dog, a little dollhouse, and mama had babies, and you want to have babies. And in fact, if you didn't have babies in that culture, you were frowned upon. Some people would say you're cursed, and your husband might divorce you. So the highest aspiration, the greatest thing in this culture a woman could do was have a baby. And when God shows up in this lady's life, he fulfills her heart's cry. And yes, God wants to do some things in life that just God wants to do. But there's some things that, that are deep down in your heart that God cares enough for. And frankly, often the reason we don't want what God wants is because we're deceived about what we really want. Often what God wants for us is, is we might we have pressed it down, pushed it aside. But it's something God has been deep down on the inside of us ever since we were children. And, and here, the, the angel doesn't come. Hey, man, Mary, you need to walk on coals. God's going to, no, no. He said, listen, since you're a little girl, you've been dreaming for a baby. And guess what God's going to give you? A baby. He says, you will conceive in your womb. Mary, this is not going to happen for someone else. Mary, this is for you. Mary, you will bear not just a child, but a son. This is a matriarchal culture, patriarchal, I mean. And you know, girls were loved, but boys were wanted. Yeah, they did more on the farm, but the more women, more sons a woman or father had, the more, you know, esteem they had in the community. So God not only gives her a baby, he says it's going to be a son. And nothing made a husband prouder, again, than having a, a bunch of boys. But then Gabriel continues and says, you shall call his name Yahshua, Joshua. Joshua uh, in the Greek is Jesus, which means God is salvation, But Mary's a smart little girl. She hears this, and immediately she's thinking, oh, the father's supposed to name the child. And by the way, this is way before the liberation movement. (laughs) And she's thinking, I can't name this baby. Joseph has to do that. What, what, Gabriel, you're out of line. What's happened? And sometimes things God says to you, reveals to you, will seem out of line to your traditions at first, until God gives you a little more insight. But God answered her even before she could speak or ask the question. She said, not only am I going to give you a, a child, and that child's going to be a boy, he will be great. I mean, she's like, wow, really? You know, who? And he will be called the son of the most high. You got to catch what God just said to Mary. He said, Mary, this will not be Joseph's son, but God's. And that's why God is now naming this child. And the Lord will give to him the throne. Oh, she got a boy. He's going to be great. And my boy is going to have a throne. It's a little country girl of his father, David, meaning this child will be the promised root of Jesse. If this child would be the Messiah that Israel had been waiting for for generations, you're telling me that I am going to have the Messiah? Then he continues, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And, and Mary thinking, wow, wow, this, this is great. But she's also thinking, I grew up on the farm and I saw them animals. I know a little bit about the birds and the bees. And she's thinking, and she's a smart girl. She said, "Um, um, how will this be? Listen, she didn't say, this can't be. See, a lot of times when we can't figure it out. It's like, it can't be. I've done that. We're so arrogant. She didn't say, it can't be. She just said, how? This, this doesn't currently fit my, my, my paradigm thing. I don't have no file in, in my mental drawers for this. How will this be? Since I am a virgin, you see, Gabe, okay, me and Joseph, we ain't been... Food, we ain't, listen, we, we've had, you know, uh, the, the chaperone trips together. So it was always dad in the outer room, and, and we barely go on a walk alone. Listen, me and Joseph, we, we, we've been doing the right thing. We've been good little Jewish children here, and am I missing something? And by the way, if, as the skeptics say, if Mary was not a virgin, she wouldn't be like, how could this be? It's like, uh-oh.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit GraceChurchVA.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VATV. TV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big.